Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Forward in Faith podcast. So today, uh, again, driving in my... This is obviously going to be something that I do quite often, is uh, use my drive to just put down some ideas and express some content that uh, is important to me in this podcast. So you'll have to get used to this, I think, a little bit, um, because I think it's going to be a staple. I'm def- there's definitely going to be some studio stuff with better mo- quality microphones and um, less, say, uh, background noise, so on and so forth. But for right now, this is what we got. So today I want to talk a little bit about um, sort of maybe what mechanisms we can think about when we're talking about being faithful, um, just having faith. For me, when I think about faith, uh, it butts up against um, some trust stuff, some trust issues. So when I'm asked or I'm prompted to become faithful, um, I have to have trust in a process, in you know maybe even an outcome. Um, however, I think there's also an element of letting go and being uh, detached from the outcome. So I think it kind of goes both ways where you're going to have to have some trust in something that you do not know. I mean, that's really the, the, you know, I guess defining feature of faith is that it deals with that which we do not know. We do not know if something is going to happen, something is going to uh, manifest, someone is going to be there for us, whatever it is. We're kind of putting faith in the unknown, that something is going to happen, I guess is the best way that I can put it. So this being the case, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about earlier today is the mechanisms. What are the mechanisms or what is a mechanism that could allow us to sit into the act of being faithful a little bit easier? And aside from understanding the nature of letting go and having trust, which is really the two main two things that come to me, trusting and then letting go. And what's letting go mean? Um, To me, letting go is a really simple and sort of fundamental way of saying, do not control the situation, which is easier said than done. I know for me, I'm a control freak. Um, I'm an only child. I have a a family member that's close to me that's a, that has that's an addict or has an addiction that you know has been a huge part of my life. And a lot of the times, when people have are a product or have addiction that affects them in their life, whether they're the addict or they have a, a close family member or friend that's an addict. A, a search, a grasping for control is really natural because we've we're out of control in so many other ways, times and places. So I have, you know, I've been addicted. I am addicted to things. I mean, I am an addict. It is in my genes. 
And because of that, I search and seek control a lot of the time. I also seek validation um, in my actions. So some of the actions that I have are rooted in the control that I need so that I can get the effect that I'm looking for. And in most cases, the effect is some sort of validation, some sort of attaboy, pat on the back, some sort of, you're not as bad as you think you are, (laughs) which is kind of what I feel, I guess. Um, Sometimes, when I'm not being conscious of myself. So, being faithful for me is sort of an act of understanding that I'm insecure and I don't have to live through my insecurities. So therefore, I don't have to think of the worst. And I don't have to control situations. Which means I can let go. And when I let go, it means I can invoke trust to allow whatever process outside of me and my control to take place and thus faith sort of being the action that allows that's allowed to play out and then that is the platter that my quote unquote um, dinner is delivered on so there's a lot of steps I just covered there a lot of things that you know a lot of linear uh, events that happen inside of the act of faith or just being faithful So let's try to break some of these down. First, um, you know, I want to understand my insecurities because my insecurities are going to drive deep, recessed needs that I have created since I was probably a very young child um, that tell me that I'm worth something or I'm not worth something. And if I feel that, then I'll normally have created a way to act or ways to act along the way that have elicited an effect that allow me to feel I am worthwhile. So for instance, one of my love languages is uh, acts of service. Specifically speaking, uh, food preparation. I love to make good coffee. I have an espresso machine and I love coffee myself. And I'm proud of the knowledge that I've attained and the experience that I've that I've gone through to make a really good cup of coffee or an Americano or whatever it may be. And I love the food that I cook. So I think I make good food and I think I understand. Um, excuse me very basic um, flavor palettes and I love to create these flavor palettes for people and I, I just make simple food My the food that I make is not complex it doesn't take a ton of time or thought or anything it's just I like it the way I like it and I cook it that way and I just hope that other people like it that way and a lot of most people do so an act of service that I have that's a love language of mine revolves around creating uh, meals and or beverages for other people to have secret out i'm gonna i'm gonna explore my secret here and that is is that i like 
when people like my food because I like to feel like I did something good. Like the effort that I put in was worthwhile. Like I have a talent that I'll be remembered for something, known for something. Um, You know, that people will give me some sort of kudos and that makes me feel good inside. I would be lying to you if I told you that that didn't have something to do with my acts of service. So that seems like my acts of service are pretty selfish. But there's another level here and that layer, that level is the fact that I like to I like other people to be happy and I like to serve them selflessly. If I get nothing in return, I can still find a really great value in having other people be very happy and content because of something that I've done. That's important to me. I do like to just give to people. And I also like to receive the things that I talked about. So breaking down the security insecurity leads me to understanding that I have a large capacity to control certain situations so that I can elicit the the response that I'm looking for. So in a situation where I ha- where there's food being prepared, I I largely don't like to sit by idly and allow someone else to do it. Or conversely, I only like that to let or I will let them make something, but it'll be completely on their own. I won't jump in at all. I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. The reason being is that and here's my own psychoanalyzation. So welcome to the welcome to the podcast, I guess. Um, the reason being is that if I can't do it all by myself, which means I get all the accolades and I get all the feelings and I know that I did it on my own, then why would I, then, then I'd rather just let somebody else do it fully so they can get that. And I know that I didn't, I don't have to split that. It's hard for me. I'm going to be honest here. Hard for me to work with a team unless I know that everyone's going to kind of share the space, that everyone gets an even playing field. I don't have to control it all. But I have to control something. It's hard not to. So I know that I can't control other people's ideas. And to a large respect, I know that I can't control other people's uh, actions and what they want. I have to concede somewhere. And in the concession that I have to make and I'm willing to make, I have to, the path of least resistance and the lowest hanging fruit, I'll let those go. But there are some things where I'm like, ah, I really trust myself more in this than I trusted anyone else. And I'll push and I'll buy for that a little bit more. So that insecurity has a large capacity to control situations so that I get the elicited response that I want. And in that controlling of situations, I tend to ignore or not allow myself to have the opportunity to let go and just let things be. And if I don't let go and be detached from the end result, an expectation, if you will. If I'm not detached, then there's really no way I can find contentedness. But when I can detach from a situation or from controlling a situation, then I can allow that situation to be the way it's naturally going to be without my control without my influence. And if I can do that, then I have to get to a place to let go 
and trust that I'll be able to be contented however it all plays out. And that whether I get the response that I'm looking for or not, that it will be positive. And that regardless of what response is there, I'll be able to make it positive. And that I don't have to control it. The only thing I control is how I respond to it. And then inside of that, I can have great faith in all of the things. The process, the journey, um, the result, the, 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 the learning, the knowledge that I'll gain by just allowing, the patience. You know, all these things. There's a lot packed into the art of letting go. And I don't have it mastered. As a matter of fact, I'm talking about it because it's one of the things that I'm focusing on a lot in my life right now. Letting go and not needing control. And just by focusing on it doesn't mean I do it a lot. It actually doesn't mean I do it very much. By focusing on it, it means that it's so important to me because I do it so little that I need to need to build practices and habits around creating a system that allows me to get into it as a default more and more and more and more so that the people around me don't suffer through my own arrogant controlling personality as an addict basically and as someone who doesn't like to let go but when I do let go I can have faith in the situation I can have faith in God I can have faith in whatever the belief system is I can have faith in it and so that's important to me. So those are some mechanisms that I'm just talking about that I think are important to understand. And these mechanisms are sort of inherent in what we do because, you know, as I've thought about this, and I don't know that I'm 100% true or accurate in this, I find it to be interesting and maybe very difficult to think that we could go through our lives without being faithful and having faith in something think about that can you find a scenario in which you do not need faith in your entire lifetime that you don't need to have faith at all I, I can't like it's hard for me to realize or to understand or think of a, a scenario or a series of scenarios that don't involve faith throughout my entire lifetime I'm going to have to have faith in the, in the way that I see it So all of that being true, there's work to do around faith. It isn't just a thing that we have or don't have. If all of that's accurate, at least to me it is, there's work to be done to cultivate more faith. And there's work to be done to get deeper into faith when cultivated. And that is beautiful. That's beautiful. In tough times, in hard times, when trials are rising above our ability to deal with them, it's really important to be able to dig deep down and understand our mechanisms of faith. So we can start invoking the domino effect of the series of events that leads us to more consistent and effective faith. It's a practice, folks. Faith is a practice, just like anything else. Yoga is a practice. Exercise is a practice. Patience is a practice. 
Well, so too is faith, the practice of faith. And a lot of people are hollow in faith in that they just want to say, well, I, I, I have faith that'll happen. Meaning, I believe it's going to happen, but I'm not putting any energy into it. I'm still attached to the fact that I believe it's going to happen when I think we also need to be open-minded to all aspects and all possibilities. When I have faith that food is going to come to me and I'm going to be able to eat food or faith that I'll be able to pay all my bills next month or faith that, you know, whatever it is, I also have the other possibility in my mind. It may not happen and I've got to be okay with that. I have faith that I'll make all my bills next month and I'll be able to pay my bills, but it may not happen and I have to be okay with that. It may be difficult for that to happen and I've got to be okay with that. I've got to allow that process to take place and have faith in the fact that I'll work as hard as I can and when I work as hard as I can, I'll try not to control uh, events and scenarios and in trying not to control events and scenarios, I'll be able to let go and I'll be able to have faith in my ability to detach from the outcomes and the expectations. And in that, I'll be able to trust. And in that, I'll be able to sit deeper into faith that some, someone, uh, something, for me it's God, has my back. The Father that, that put me here is teaching me how to have a relationship with Him. And it's a deep relationship of dependence on Him. Not a dependence on me and my own control and, and actions. So, you know, I just wanted to talk about this for a little bit. It's just important to sort of define and talk about some of these mechanisms that create faith. Because I'm a pretty deep thinker and, and I think that it's not as simple as just I have faith or you have faith. What is faith? How does faith happen? And this isn't probably the only mechanism that faith can come by. It probably isn't the only thing that drives faith. It isn't the only thing that allows faith to go deeper into our uh, in meaning or into our lives. It, there are probably many ways to reach that outcome of faith or get deeper into the practice of faith. And I want to hear what you have to say. How do you get into faith? You know, could you leave? Do you feel comfortable leaving a comment below? Uh, just a very brief one about how you get into faith, how you can access faith easier. What have you learned? How have you done it? What do you need to help do that? It's a very important concept. As faith drives our future, and faith drives our hope, and faith drives our positivity and our optimism, you know, we got to find ways to cultivate it, especially in times like these. So I appreciate, as again, as always, I appreciate you listening, taking time out of your day to just listen to this, time out of whatever you're doing to, to just hear these words. And hopefully they resonate with you. Hopefully something, some in here, something, uh, you know, touched you in a way that allows you to, to be a better version of yourself. That would be awesome. That's the ideal. So, again, I appreciate you and I, I'm grateful for you. And I look forward to hearing from you and talking to you and, you know, um, hearing what you have to say. So feel free to please leave a comment. And if you like it and you think other people might like it, you know, share, please. Share the, the podcast. The best thing that you can do is spread the word, share the podcast, leave a comment, uh, like it, and rate it on iTunes and all the other platforms that you use it. And if you think it deserves a one star, please give it a one star and then give it some, give me some feedback so that I can make that one star, take that one star, and add three more stars to it and become better. 
if it's not if that's not happening then you know what what are we doing for each other and i have faith <laughs> that we can do that together so i just want to say i love you very much wherever you are whoever you are doing whatever you're doing um, my love for you goes out and it it, touch, it it's uh, important for me that you know that because i don't need to know you to love you so i love you very much i hope you have a tremendous day thank you for listening as always and we'll see you on the other side in the 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 forward and faith podcast bye bye